0: Tobias Carlisle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit Acquire'sFunds.com.
1: Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over
0: to acquirersfunds.com. The back office, it helps, it it reduces the incentive, uh, like, or it it helps somebody say, okay, well, this is why I should actually sell, right? You're reducing the friction of running a business that you may not want, right? This is, is, we're just talking about uh, Michael Girdley
1: of Jura Software, their strategy. Interviewed Michael on the podcast that's out currently. Uh they buy these small software businesses and then take all of the what Brent B. Shaw calls it tastes like chicken layer and do that at head office. So it makes the business more fun to run. How's everybody doing?
0: It's happening, folks. Anything happened last week? Oh, yeah, this... Bill, did you do anything last week? I know no, you guys man.
1: don't like was, this, but we got the best call chilling. out ever. The tuning in from an oil rig off Western Australia at one thirty AM.
0: Whoa, <laughs> no, I will I respect that. That's the best one we've ever had. Yeah, dude. Props to you. And also, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> but I I do appreciate it. Oahu. 10:30 a Wahoo. It's ten thirty
1: AM on the west coast. The best coast, one thirty PM on the east coast, the least coast. 1230 where Ooh. Oh, I'm going to get some feedback about that one
0: 1230 where Bill is in chart town uh, middle of flyover country let's insult everybody that's not on the west coast 530 p.m UTC
1: oh what's happening fellas
0: just decompressing man
1: How's your value yeah, portfolio you a... going?
0: Just, just for some extra misery. <laughs> Who mine? Everybody's. I, I haven't even looked at mine in a while. It's probably a good thing. I bet it. I bet it'll be one of my better weeks. I should adopt the strategy of looking less. Philly, Sweden, Minneapolis, Nassau, Dublin, <laughs> Here Boston. Here He can't
1: help himself. I love it. <laughs> New York. <laughs> uh, classic. Whose intro is it today? I've no idea. It might be back to me. Yeah, let's do it, man. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. This is Value After Hours with my amigos Bill Brewster and Jake Taylor. Jake, what's your topic this week?
2: I'm going to be talking about Peter Bernstein's lovely little book called Deep Risk. Bill, what are you talking about this week? I'm gonna talk about
0: my last week and uh, send send some thank yous and uh, just sort of you know why I why I was where I was with the whole thing and we'll talk. Did well, my, I say
2: Peter Bernstein? I meant William Bernstein. Sorry, are they Him different too. people?
0: I thought they were the
1: same person. Probably twins. <laughs> I'll be talking about uh, some changes that I made to the portfolio once again. Can't believe the kind of stuff that just gets lit, it's let fall into deep value land. If you if your software you're off to the races if you're uh, if you're not software you're not. But let's let's start with Bill. Let's get an update from Yeah. So what what what's happened since uh, since the podcast?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I I was basically in a multimedia war against uh, you know, Robin Hood, which was fun, I guess. I mean, you know, it, it it's been the most it was the most conflicting week of my life because, you know, on the back of just a total personal tragedy Uh, you know, the more and more I found out, the angrier and angrier I got. And I don't know the facts and circumstances behind why what happened happened. Uh, you know, I assume if you're listening to me right now, you understand what I'm referencing. Um, but you know, the, there was enough feedback into my inbox that continued to get me angrier and angrier and lend credence to my perception of what is at least possible that happened. And, uh, you know, just some of the stuff that I received just got me more and more upset over what I think is like a really big societal issue. Um, and, you know, you couple that on, Like, I have family members that have mentioned suicide to me in the past. I was probably triggered a little bit by foreseeing, you know, those, like, maybe putting those family members into a similar situation where they would be triggered. Like, to me, a lot of what happened, at least in one potential version of events, was very foreseeable. I don't know if that version of events is actually the facts, right? I mean, that's part of the, the difficulty of piecing together a puzzle when the person that has the answers is gone. Um, you know, what I can, uh, what I can only say is like, I appreciate everyone that reached out and said that I did a good job and that they were proud of me and stuff like that. And there's a big part of me that's proud. Um, but there's also a big part that's just really, really sad that I had to even go through that and that, you know, the kid that I lost, whether or not, you know, whatever was going on in his head. Uh, I mean, it's a family member that I have very fond memories of, and I wish I had reached out to him more. You know, what I'm trying to do now is just like be around my family more, be more attentive to what my wife says is bothering her and just sort of like take take these moments, uh, to like, not just hear what's going on around me, but to really listen to the people that matter in my life and, uh, and, and not internalize their problems through my lens and like really listen to them, uh, is really my takeaway. So I'm happy to like answer any questions or whatever, but real, real quick. I mean, you know, Friday, I I was in a place by the end of the week that like, I, I was worried about my own mental health. Uh, I was working on like very, very little sleep. I sent a draft of something that I was thinking of sending to, uh, Romney Kundra. And you know, he, he was, it was a very big moment for me and he provided really good feedback and saved me from a strategic mistake. And I, and I owe him a particular shout out, but there's so many of you, I mean, Barry Ritholtz, Morgan Housel, the people that listen to this podcast. Uh, I mean, all the dopamine hits of the likes and the retweets and the encouragement. Like, it, it just would have been impossible without the community. And I guess I, I say thank you. And I just feel really conflicted about being proud about something on the back of, like, a real tragedy.
1: What, what was the resolution?
0: Uh, I, I mean, look, I, you know, Robin Hood released a statement. And I think that, People should read the statement that they released and judge for themselves. I think, uh, you know, it was that was not an easy statement to make. And given the circumstances and the high profile nature, I mean, you know, I got to I got to give them some credit for doing what I perceive to be the right thing. Actions speak louder than words. You know, Uh, I hope that people not name me. I mean, I'm not even a trader, right? I'm not part of that community. I just tried to be respectful of the trading community through the process. But I hope people that are members of that community, um, you know, hold their feet to the fire a little bit. And I hope I hope those guys really think about my perception of the pushes and the pulls that they've embedded into their product and what that can do to a young person's mind and like how important it is for millennials To be able to trust investing, there's just some things with how that's set up. So for instance, when I signed, I signed up just to see what was going on and you get confetti, right? And like, let's take a charitable explanation of that and say, okay, well, we're celebrating your investing journey. Then they say like, you're going to be rewarded with this stock. Well, the tile that you pick from one of three tiles, but the tile was at least my perception of it is that it looks like a raffle ticket. And, like, I am offended that investing is associated with a raffle ticket. And then they ask you to touch your phone and scratch your raffle ticket to find your stock. That, to me, reminds me of what you would do at a gas station at the lotto. Uh, Then they give you a stock, like, I got a mining stock. I don't want that dog crap company, you know? So, like, I have to sell it. And look at how easy it is to dispose of your ownership. And it's just really something that I would encourage them to seriously think about the responsibility that they're asking for. If they're going to grow accounts among millennials, I, you know, it's, I'm not making a legal statement. I'm not making anything. I'm just saying from a financial services industry's perspective, I think that they need to do more to deserve the duty or the, or the responsibility that they're asking for. And, you know, some of that was what really had me heated and, I hope I didn't overpersonalize the issue. You know, I know that I was always fighting for the right reason. Uh, I doubt that anyone else in my family was quite as passionate about the issues as I am. But, um, you know, I, I just, it killed me, man. And I, I lost something really huge in the process. Um, and all I knew how to do was fight.
1: So Robin Hood have released a statement where they say they're going to review some of the things that they're doing. They're going to make a donation to a suicide prevention line and a
0: suicide prevention group, and um, were you— they, they they said that they would embed education in part of the process. I, I mean, I, I, what more are you going to ask a company to come out and say in seven days, right? I mean, that that was—I was looking for a response that addressed the severity of what I perceived some of these issues to be pushing into society. I look, I don't know what the heck they're going. They don't know what they're going to do yet. Like it's it is uh, it is an unreal. It's not realistic to expect them to have all the answers. But what I do think that statement at least indicated is they get it. They get what I was saying and they're working on the solution. So how am I going to begrudge that at this stage? I wish they had thought about it earlier,
2: you know, but I, I bet they are. They wish that, too. I mean, they're not the only ones that have been dopamine hijacking, right? I mean, that's, there's a lot of big companies that, and a lot of market cap and value, you know, that's been built on dopamine hijacking.
0: Yeah. Fortunately. And you look at like you know this this isn't this type of podcast, but it's true, and it all intersects with all these companies that we look at with the fang market caps for the most part. I mean, not so much Netflix, and maybe less so Google, but I would argue YouTube is somewhat in the same category. You know, I mean, self harm among young girls is up. Uh, there's there's just there's a lot of stuff out there that I, I commend tech for a lot of the advancements that they've made in society. I guess I just hope that one. I have two hopes out of this. One, I hope that it creates and furthers a conversation that's important for tech to have with itself. Uh, And two, I hope that people realize that there may be family members out there that, you know, look fine and aren't fine. Or if family members are saying that they're like like my family members who have mentioned suicide before, I need to pay attention to that. I need to not I mean, I can't save those people but I at least need to talk to them and figure out how I can be there or whatever. And there's just, I used to look in the mirror and see shame, you know, like that shit's gone now, but that took a lot of work. And like, if you're in that moment in your life, you don't have to stay there. Uh, And I don't know how to help, like, I can't help you out, but there are ways out. And I just hope that as a society, we can just get rid of all that, like not all the stigma, but it's time to destigmatize this shit. It's 2020. Uh, nice comment from the community, Bill. Thanks you, Thank you for having the
1: courage to share your story and push for change. The investing community really owes you a debt of gratitude. Finra needs to get involved too.
0: Well, I appreciate it. A lot of people need to thank that kid's dad and and his mom. I mean, that took a lot of courage on their part. You know, they're still trying to piece together what happened too. It's uh, it took a village. So thank you all for being part of it. And so you've decompressed a little bit over the last few days. Dude, I haven't done anything. The only thing that I am somewhat more interested in is Twitter as an investment thesis because <laughs> I have seen from the inside the power of that platform. So the question is whether or not they can capture it. Well, you gotta think Elliot
1: and whoever the whoever the VC firm is have got a good chance there.
0: Yeah, well, my my understanding is like it's a pretty siloed organization or has been between product and revenue. And you would think that you know smart activists might say guys is there a way to bring these two focuses together and how can we and i don't think it'll ever be facebook and instagram but uh man if that's not the most powerful media outlet in the world i don't know what is yeah it's an amazing tool very difficult what say say you
2: jake (laughs) what say you about twitter specifically yeah, I mean, we're nothing. We're we're yeah. Segway. I don't really care. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think sometimes I think about it as like, is this the new newspaper? And if there's only one newspaper in the world now. And like, it should be doing really well then. Um, but then it seems a lot of times like they can't get out of their own way. There's still uh, Facebook. Facebook
1: still serves yeah. that purpose for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I yeah. think that's the
0: difference, right? There's no longer like um, there's no longer a distribution advantage by geography. It's an attention attention capture game, but it I mean it is where news happens, like
2: undeniably, way before you'll hear it anywhere else, right? I yeah, mean, not even close. You get the yeah. raw
1: feed, and then you get the turn the the spin on it before it even turns up on any of the major news outlets.
2: I
0: had to correct a couple people. Like For the most part, they were good, but there were there was a couple quotes that I was like, you know, I didn't really actually say what you're saying I said. Uh, that was that's, interesting. That's better advice. than what I said. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, right. uh, I think that there was only one that I had real issue with, but uh, it, was, it was an interesting experience. I hope I never have to live it again, and I hope none of you do. Next. Yeah, no doubt. Go ahead, Toby. Let's hear about value. <laughs> Difficult segue <laughs> from that
1: one. I think uh, yeah. I think we probably need some wisdom here, and I think JT's the uh, the king of the
2: wisdom. Oh Jesus! I gotta follow this one. All Sorry, right. brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, this week I'm going to be talking about this neat little book by William Bernstein, uh, and it's called Deep Risk. And it's nice because it's just a little 50-pager uh, that you can get through pretty easily. But what I like about it is that it, it moves beyond the sort of mean variance framework of Markowitz that has kind of come to define what risk is. And instead, it uses history and um, almost turns it into an insurance problem. And so you know, what is the probability and the impact and the cost to insure against? And those are all important things to understand um, So I guess the first thing uh, that's interesting about it is that he says that that loss has two dimensions. So you have the magnitude and the duration. So there's a sort of an integral, like an area under the curve of loss. So if you let's say you were down 50 percent, but it was only for a year. um, And let's say it was like it came back all of a sudden, um, you know, quickly, that would not count as much as, say, uh, you know, being down for a much longer period of time uh, and then flat, right? So there's a duration to it as well. Um, So then he sort of breaks it up into what he calls shallow risk and then deep risk. And the shallow risk is kind of more what I think most people would consider risk. So they think about like, my portfolio's down, okay. Well, he says that over a short term and then his short term is like seven to 10 years, by the way, so already we're like talking way different than most people. Uh, but short-term risk like that uh, would be a typical market correction, a bear market, right? Like, and but that's short-term and shallow in nature, in that eventually it tends to come back, and then you make new highs, right? So if you can get through that, the behavioral gap there, um, that's not actually a real risk to your portfolio. The real deep risk. Comes from he has four different things. They ha- he has a sustained hyperinflation, a sustained deflation, um, confiscation and taxes, and then um, devastation. So like war, things like that. And those are the real, actual like deep risk to a permanent impairment of of your portfolio.
1: You can protect against that. No. Yeah. That's like a Russian no. stock market getting ended in. Sure. 1900 or whatever it was
2: so we could we'll go through it um i think months
0: no i i would say my my visceral reaction is you can protect against devastation right because that that would be like the a big bet on the wrong on the wrong company or something like that but a lot of that stuff you're just sort of living in you know i guess asset diversification could protect you but i will let you go on and we'll see where you end up
2: there's an answer here. Just okay. Hang in there. Bitcoin. My um, apologies. Yeah, that's right. So one of the one of the things that's interesting is that the, the uh I think that a lot of people are blind right now to the risk that bonds pose because we've been in a basically like an entire generation, maybe two generations worth of a bull market for bonds. So people think bonds are this very, very safe thing. But historically Ah, uh, bonds have actually created a lot of deep risk, um, and so like a good example, World War II, both like during and after Germany and Japan, the the stock market for both of those was down about ninety percent, but you'd recovered within ten to fifteen years. Okay, so that turned it actually the equity was a shallow risk. But the bond portfolio that you were in was down 95 percent and basically turned into worthless pieces of paper, and that became a deep risk, right? Um, so you, here you have two countries, but different uh, different flavors of investment that that created different risk profiles. And I think people right now, because of such a long run of good of good returns, mostly capital appreciation, which is not what you should probably be chasing with with a bond portfolio, <laughs> but but here we are. Uh they're probably not thinking, I think, enough about that type of risk that, that bonds pose. Uh, and Buffett's done a good job of talking about that in um, – when, when did that paper come out? or He wrote that op-ed. I think it was like maybe 2014 or something like that uh, where he talks about – The emissions one? Uh, no. He talks about um, – well, maybe is that I can't remember if that's also in there. This dude's uh, washed up anyway.
0: Why are we talking about him? I think that's what's Stevie Day Trader say?
2: Yeah, Something. come on, yeah, yeah. Yo. Yeah, where's Davy Day Trader on Deep <laughs> come Risk? On Fortnite. <laughs> what, what's your, what's Stocks your on Stocks only go yeah. up. Well, so maybe I think you know my uh, what I would maybe tell him is like, you know, Japan from 1990 to 2013. What was the real return for the for Japanese large cap companies?
1: I would guess negative. Uh negative two percent a year. Maybe negative one percent a year.
0: Billy,
2: what do you got? No, I got nothing, man.
0: Nothing nothing worth guessing, but I'll go with Toby. Toby knows his
2: shit. So I, I don't know if that's right in the compounding, I'd have to do the math, but it, it the total was negative fifty eight percent. Okay. So, so you put whoa, in yeah, <laughs> twenty three years and cut your money in half over that time period. Yeah in real returns.
0: You can do that, it, it can with value anyway. right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: why not? I could just buy a value basket.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, that's so a good
0: joke, Toby. Well done. <laughs> yeah, living that reality.
2: <laughs> yeah. So one of the the things that that Bernstein says that's interesting is that that it's these different time periods. Like over the short term, um, you know, shallow risk is kind of more on your mind. But then in and you know, let's say like less than 10 years, but then after, you know, 20, 30 years, the deep risk is, is more in your mind. And what's hard is that in between period of like the 10 to 20 years, that's where it sort of like, you know, switches between the two. And that's where it takes like some real talent to sort of understand the risks. Like what are the bigger risks that you're facing between those two? Um, so Let's talk about like the first possible one. That's a severe, prolonged hyperinflation, uh, which has happened lots of times. Uh, interestingly enough, equities tend to do pretty well, actually. Not not as far as like actual big returns, but they they tend to keep purchasing power, um, or at least not lose that much, even in like some you know South American countries that are often cited for their crazy hyperinflation, their equity markets tended to return not that far off of of even what sort of like longer term uh, returns would be for for an equities portfolio. So, so they look the nominal great on a normal basis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to But gonna real ask. is is pretty modest, right. but not compared to not compared to paper or bonds, right? Like which you're absolutely getting devastated by. Um, so, different ways of, of mitigating that are obviously like an international portfolio of equities, tips, uh, gold, potentially, um, and then also even just something as like vanilla as your fixed rate mortgage, uh, if you can get it at a good price. Like that's that's actually a pretty good play. Um, so, the can I just severe... ask, just before
1: you move on. Yeah, tips. How what what inflation rate do you get with the tips? How how is that calculated? Who calculates that?
2: I think they're CPI linked, aren't they? So they're probably always trailing reality.
1: So I'd say it's a little bit game then. So there's probably a way to trade yeah. that, right?
2: Anyway, I don't know. A lot of, I mean, a lot of people uh, actually. Bernstein in another book talks about this and doing like a laddered tips approach as for your retirement uh, has been a pretty reasonable way of going about it. Trying to like duration match your what you need with uh, with what your assets look like. I find that to be an interesting idea, but um, can we move on? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, thanks That's good. Uh, <laughs> so a severe, prolonged deflation, and that's like deflation. When you talk about that, it really means like an economic, you know, disaster, um, you know, depression type. That that is much more rare. So compared to the inflations, actually. So you you especially for a long duration one, and there. Like cash and bonds and gold tend to to tend to do better than than equities. Um, so confiscation taxes. The way around that is actually like foreign domiciled assets. Whether it's you know you own property somewhere else. Also contingent with that is uh having a good escape plan. Uh, that's what, one of the things he talks about. So uh, you have to be able to potentially get out away from. From being confiscated, actually, very hard in the U.S. We have these expatriation taxes where, even if you tried to bail, they're going to try to—they're going to take their cut no matter what. Uh, the, US, the U.S. is pretty mercenary uh, compared to even other countries. Uncle Sam is like a, is like a good bookie.
1: <laughs> but you're not escaping the U.S. unless there's some regime change, right? Maybe they fix that law.
0: Meanwhile, though, I got a Amen. buddy that's in uh, Dubai and like he doesn't pay any income tax on anything he makes. I don't understand. If he's it. American,
1: he's got to pay it in the states.
0: Oh, I'm not trying to out him, but I'm not sure but he's doing it. I'll track you down. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. All right. I'm. Hey, I'm they, not a They tracked truck.
1: me down as a non-citizen when I was earning here in nineteen uh, in two thousand and and jeez four, I think, a long time ago. When I got back to Australia, they sent me a note, and I was like, ah, not a citizen. Bye. Really?
0: Yeah. Huh. Now huh. you're here, and you just I'm back. You now just I'm a said citizen. That? Now I have to pay it. Guess... <laughs> statute of limitations. I can't believe Well, I
1: wasn't a citizen at the time. Yeah. But they're just automatic machine just sort of figures out who you are, where you are, sends you a notice, and then
2: you've got to figure it out. Huh. Yeah. So the last one is that devastation and that's like wars and, and things like that. Um, and that also, you know, graph- geographically diversifying your assets uh, is one way to, to hold uh, some of your purchasing power against potential... Uh, you, you know, actually the, like physical assets that the companies maybe you are invested in on getting bombed to a to smithereens. Um, so, and also probably an escape plan is a good idea in that one as well. <laughs> so far I'm hearing fan mag and Bitcoin.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right. Probably. Yeah, the market sniffed that out a long time <laughs> yeah, ago.
1: Yeah, we're though. behind the curve on that one.
2: So here's an interesting question for you. 1899 to 1949, so first half of the 20th century, what do you think that a, a global equities portfolio real returns look like?
1: Uh, over what period, sorry? Uh,
2: 1900 to 1950, let's say. Uh, I'd say
1: they're pretty good. I'd say they match, well, are we saying global or international XUS.
2: Uh, no, this is, includes U.S., I think. This is just a global portfolio of basically p- owning businesses around the world.
1: Pretty good. I'd say probably comparable to what the States did. I'd say probably you're getting 9 or 10%, something like that.
0: Yeah, Bill? I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think through. I mean, this is tough. You're like right after World War II, so you've got some pretty bombed-out economies, but it's probably mostly, the, I don't know, 6 7% per All annum. Right.
2: 2.8% Oh real. real. Oh, yeah. real? I don't know. Real. Yeah. Real. Real. Who does anything in real? <laughs> <laughs> good point. How the game's played, loser. <laughs> yeah. Real is for suckers. Yeah. Real is if you actually need it to, like, buy groceries if you gotta and live on like it. that. Like a real, like a real yeah. pleb. That's the only time that matters <laughs> when you got to live on it. If it's for yeah. like, calculating yeah, returns, you do that nominal. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's Yeah, real is for suckers all right so then 1949 to 1999 what do you think that the
1: real returns were well okay sorry then i'd say nine or ten percent real hang on no real
0: uh six or seven yeah that's where i would go i go closer to six five to six
2: so eight and a half oh yeah so we're looking we're looking at like two pretty like pretty big differences in a 20th century that was considered pretty favorable for for equities right so i guess the question then is does 2000 to 2050 look more like the first half of the 20th century or the second half
0: I'm just going to go bottoms up and avoid all this crap I I'm I'm not smart enough to figure this stuff out Yeah I think
1: it's it's hard because I think the US is expensive but I think it's the rest of the world existence. is pretty cheap but then the US has better businesses on average or better businesses in that in the index at least for the most part uh it's really really hard but i think lower is probably more likely
0: well and you know to our point about the point about bonds and whatnot like i spent how long like being like oh bonds make no sense bonds make no sense and then in march it looked like for a second debt holders were going to own all the equity of every cyclical company <laughs> right so it's like you
2: know i don't know we don't do that anymore here
0: we well just yeah now now we've got that shove money.
2: yeah All right, so last little thing that I found interesting there is he's talking about. Are you going to give us the answer for the next for the next fifty years?
0: Yeah, what's going on? You don't get to get on these. You just it's just uh, you just float the questions, huh? That's
2: right. Um, Being the professor has its privileges. (laughs) (laughs) If gun to my head, I would say it's got probably looks more like the first half of the twentieth century than the second. But uh, all right, so last thing, if you're like a if you're a younger investor you should be worrying about the deep risk, but actually seeking out the shallow risk, which is when prices tend to be lower. So that's when you're gonna be accumulating more, uh, which is common sense, I think. But people don't really frame it in a shallow risk, deep risk kind of way.
0: And if you're listening to this, you probably know this, but stay the fuck away from options. Start owning businesses. You wanna dabble in some stuff, fine. It can't be your core strategy. I am not a registered investment advisor. I am just imploring people to save young and let compounding be on your side. They have their place. You just need to be careful with them. You, you know are a doing. pro. You've written how many books on investing? Like they have a place for you. I, I agree, agree with
1: that. I agree. I know what you're saying. There's, there's, a, there's. A, you got the caliber of our listeners, though. I, I kind of know who's. I know it, like half of the people no. who are commenting
0: here. <laughs> for sure. For sure. We have a very sophisticated listener base. Oof they go. scare right. me i'm <laughs> afraid to talk to our listeners sometimes i'm like oh god they're gonna know I'm well you get my,
1: uh, the nice thing is you get corrected <laughs> in the comments pretty quickly so like <laughs> right. there's been this yeah. ongoing conversation about international tax we've resolved it thanks guys
2: <laughs> there, yeah there the comments is our comments are where the real gold are in this yeah. show it's not, that's where i go back and saying. watch so i can learn <laughs> good point all right veggies are done what do we got for you next no,
1: I, I like that. I think that's a really good discussion. Somebody made the point, uh, John Archibald, I've got it up on the screen right now. Convo reminds me of Chris Cole's Dragon Portfolio. I thought exactly the same thing, and probably that's where Chris might have been inspired. Uh, it certainly sounded that way when you were talking about the different portfolios. That's the way Chris de- defines the serpent and the whatever the other animalism. Sorry, I forgot <laughs> the serpent and the eagle. I think. Yeah. I think that's. A, I think it's. <laughs> I, I I think it's sometimes hard to work out how to incorporate the macro those sort of macro observations into the portfolio, but I do think that it's worthwhile uh, reading them and understanding them because it gives you an idea what your own base rate expectation should be, should be for what you're doing. So I think it is worth you know I, I do think that the the forward returns are going to be a little bit lower, but then again if we create a whole lot of these singular businesses that sort of dominate these verticals and they 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 earn all of the money and it's one organization or one business that does that then maybe you just got to own those organizations and you're okay but if you own the broad index maybe they just get
0: taken over maybe you own the cheap stuff in the broad index and then you just get left behind (laughs) It's interesting to see how behavior goes into niches within these different things too. Like there, there are segments within the platform. You know, it's why it's why Facebook's dating app didn't do much to match. It's it's sort of interesting how it's all shaking out. While while you talk, Toby, I'm just is the problem with Facebook's match?
1: (laughs) Is the problem with Facebook's match? It's that Facebook's dating profile that you can see everybody's political opinions all the time and you're just like, there's no way I'm dating any of these lunatics.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it probably has something to do with the fact that Facebook's where you go to learn that people that you thought you like, you hate, and you know, Twitter does the opposite.
1: It used to be that you weren't allowed to talk about politics or religion. There might have been something else in there too. In I think polite company. In polite company, yeah. That, I thought that was a pretty good rule for the most part.
2: <laughs> it's a great rule.
1: Facebook's Facebook's violated that rule, and now this is what we get.
0: All right, Toby, you gonna you gonna tell us what we need to know?
1: Yeah. So, uh, the uh, portfolio that I run uh, got rebalanced. I've also got a new one out there uh, tracking an index called the Deep Index that you can you can check out. We we took that over on Friday. Um, is that follows deep risk. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I think wow. it's full of stuff that looks like it's full of deep risk, but I think it's deep value. I don't think it's deep risk, but I, I kind of continue to be astonished by the quality of names that fall into the deep value portfolio. So this time around, I picked up Intel, um, the Intel, not, not, not a different, <laughs> INTC is the ticker. Uh, it's an absolute beast of a business. If you use it, if you calculate Greenblatt's version of return on capital, it's earning something like 50% on capital. Now I don't know why something like that should be valued in this market. I, I could have thought that that would have been a trillion-dollar company in this market, but it's on ten times EVE, but a little bit north of that, which just seems outrageously cheap for me to me for something that throws off the free cash flow that it does too. And I, I picked up Lockheed Martin too. I understand that Intel's got specific a specific issue where Apple seems to be taking its business away. Apple's going to make its chips in house, but Intel is a phenomenal business, sort of absent Apple still. It's like 5% of revenues. AMD has you know, increased its competitive...
0: No, no, I'm not going to fade it. I'm not going to fade it. AMD has, from what I understand, I don't cover semis, but uh, they they've closed some of the gaps. I don't know how far the gap is. I'd have no idea how to handicap that. Not a space I play in, but I do know that part of the story.
1: I would have said, like, a year ago, it was hard to find high-quality really high-quality names in the cheap basket because I think there was some high-quality stuff in there, like the portfolio on an aggregate basis I thought it looked really good. It would look like something that I would buy. But now it's full of brand names, which I find it's kind of astonishing to me that there's like a handful of names that the market likes. And if you're in that handful of names, then you don't even know that there's been much of a bear market. And as far as you know, you're up 18% for the year and nothing sort of happened in the interim. But for the rest of the market, like the other 495 names in the 500, it's it's uh, they're down for the year. and if you've got any exposure to them, you probably you've got a different view of the way that the market's going.
2: I, I be think... another uh, another thing you have going for you is that INTC, is is there's a lot of those tiles in the Scrabble bag. Those are popular letters. so you have a good shot at, at getting a, <laughs> a Davy pull. That'll just send you to the moon. I didn't know
1: where you go.
0: With
1: that one, right? Yeah, I didn't that's know right, either. Yeah. But that is true. Someone, someone alert, uh, someone Dude, alert, Davey Day Trader. I need some of that juice in the portfolio.
0: How do people like? Why? Why is that guy on CNBC and they are not saying like? By the way, this is just a marketing arm for like your gambling app that's because coming CNBC out. CNBC is a marketing arm. Yeah, they did me right there. I'm not going to take shots at him but I don't like how they it was treat. Newsworthy. Him. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Not not to criticize I'm not
1: criticizing you at all. I'm criticizing them. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I understand. I understand. (laughs) Um you know, if the market keeps these brand names cheap enough, our man Dan Sheehan might come out of retirement. Put together another run.
1: That would be great. What's what's the Dan Sheehan story?
0: He's just a beast, man. He's the most underappreciated beast out there, and he's a
1: great guy. Great guy. I don't know, Dan. Can you tell can you tell a story? Uh, I
2: mean, Started a fund out of Toronto in the like '99, put up just insane returns for 20 years. Shut down last year, mid teens, Uh, right? Yeah, I think maybe even 20s. I can't remember, but it's it was a lot. Did it the right, did it right, right right way too. Like treated partners really fair and just a classy guy all around.
0: Legit mensch, you know, just like a good human. Not not arrogant. Like, he's just the guy, he's the man.
2: All right, I gotta try and get Dan
0: on the podcast. Yes, you do. That's what I'm pretty sure we've had this you guys conversation. Might have told me that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time,
0: <laughs> I'm like yeah. a
1: goldfish, then it, it goes in one ear and goes out the other ear. Uh, it's
0: worth prioritizing. He's uh, a great guy,
1: amigos. Throw some questions up and we'll uh, we'll take a shot at them
2: put some answers in there too so that we can sound smart yeah, well i got a good then, answer please.
1: i got a good answer here as a systems programmer intel's chips are far too clever and full of securities flaws i bet our amds are too just nobody's got out of their way to discover them Uh oh you're gonna get the answer right now that's how it's gonna happen yeah how good i, th- I still think it's too cheap and i don't think you get a lot of options
0: I got a question for you guys on DraftKings. All right. Since this thing's been explosive, you think about that business model, it basically transfers money from their new customers to sharks, or at least that was a problem that it had in the past. Like, how is that sustainable long term? And like with this valuation, I'm not going to short it, but like, man, if I was a short, I would be salivating. It just doesn't seem like it's sustainable. You want to get in front of a freight train like that? No, that's why I don't mess with that stuff. I played with that fire with Tesla. I'm not going back to that life, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> man, that one, that's one that I would be zeroing in on if I did like that life.
1: So I got a question here. It's, it's asking me for my legal opinion. I don't really have a legal opinion on this to be, to be there are cliff. no
0: legal or investment opinions on this podcast bill no else bill also has a,
1: a law degree so bill might be uh bill might have a more relevant opinion than i uh does anyone have a case for negligence against davy day trader if things go to shit and his followers lose money i don't think so because there's a big disclaimer at the start of every single episode it's for entertainment purposes
0: only just like this podcast that's right do not <laughs> do not get it twisted this is financial entertainment folks I, 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 I think we say it every podcast, right? But make sure. The, I think the more the more likely
1: issue for Davy Day Trader is the thing that gets the newsletter writers into trouble is where they buy something that's really illiquid first, and then they pump it to their followers and dump it to their followers. So that's an issue. And I have seen a few suggestions that I don't think he's behaving maliciously. I just think he doesn't know. He just pulls up a name that he likes out of the Scrabble bag and buys it and then you know, most of the names in there don't have much volume. And then all of a sudden they get a whole lot of volume. I,
0: I have had some conversations with some smart people over the past week. And I think that's something that a lot of them have come back to me and said is they're, they're not, there's no strong view on whether or not this market's going to crash necessarily. Right? Like that's not the comment, but, uh, there was a lot of put selling in 1987. There was a lot of options day trading in 1999. There's a lot of options activity right now. What that turns into, I don't know. Those are just facts, and there are three particular parts of market. Uh, there, You said it a, a, like a week ago, Toby. There's a lot of gamble in this market.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's true. I think Jake pointed out that, uh, t- that I think that GMO – Grantham's like the final check on his checklist was like retail participation in the in the boom mm-hmm. to kind of make it. That was the thing that you needed Full to declare it a bubble, yeah. And we hadn't had that prior to the the uh, the the March bust, and now, funnily enough, I just we can't have
2: believe it. that it came with the economic backdrop that it came with. Like, you could have told me in twenty nineteen that retail comes in and now like, all right, now we're in it. But with this economic backdrop and it just makes it all the more ludicrous to me. <laughs> this, this is this
0: part is... of my melt up thesis. Well, what's your melt up thesis? I've always thought we were going to have a melt up. Now, if we're like close to where we were with this economic backdrop, you could make an argument to me that this is the melt up. I-, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fade that argument. I'd also wouldn't be shocked if we go a lot higher. Crazy can get a double Crazy.
2: Yeah, wait till you – if you thought that – if you felt like you were taking crazy pills right now, wait until you see what market cap to GDP looks like when we put up the GDP number that we're going to put up. Wait till you see the earnings that look like and what a a PE looks like on trailing 12 months. Is that all short-term stuff? Does it matter?
0: It's trough, and you got to add it back to CAPE. Everybody knows this. I don't know.
1: I mean, I I, I think it does matter. I I think the CBO says – we don't go back I don't to uh, well. I'm. I, I don't know the answer. Like I'm. I'm happy to do hear fundamentals
2: this. matter. That's kind of the bigger question. Or right? can the
1: Fed just paper over the top? That's sort of my. That's my question. I think that fundamentals do matter, and the Fed can't paper over the, paper over the top. Wrong. But that seems to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so far, I've got no idea what happens. I, I think run up to the election, then after the election, maybe, maybe it happens then. But who knows? Who knows? Uh got a good question. Uh got a super chat. So the question was, "Buffett gets a million dollars. What does Buffett do to get his 50% a year out in this market?"
2: Scrabble bag. <laughs> oh, I don't know.
0: Man, if I knew that, I'd be doing it myself. Yeah. I bet I bet given his knowledge base today, it would probably be something beshory i'm not sure he would be in the market he might go liquidation on some small caps and run some activist campaigns that dude was a monster when he was young uh, it wasn't always some jovial grandpa so yeah.
2: get that get inventory buffed. below this line that i painted in the <laughs> warehouse or else you're right. all fired
0: yeah, you get Buffett some money today and give him some hunger, I think he'd probably go activist on
2: some names. Well, Small See, I think he'd actually be out. international. I think he'd buy, like, he'd be in, like, South Korea or something right now.
0: I don't know, man. That's outside his circle. He but does, maybe. He's done it maybe with his PA. He
2: bought
1: Korean flour mills in his PA. I think because they were maybe. net nets. Yeah. Maybe. I- I think that he'd be, I mean, small cap values really bombed out. You can you can find some names in there that are too cheap. You take your million, you put it with your other investor's money, or maybe you just do it by yourself. I don't know. There's probably some small some stuff that's small enough where you could get control. That's really difficult stuff to do, and you've got one bullet, so you don't want to get it
0: wrong. Yeah, like, and then you go activist. And then create he value and then do it. Yeah, I, I would. That's what I would bet he would be more likely to do.
2: Why aren't we doing that then? Oh, I do one.
0: I don't know that I have the skills, but I mean, I sort of just proved that I might. So I'm not i uh, I'm not totally opposed to it. I got. I don't know that I would have the motivation. Uh, certainly not right now. That was that was a unique combination of motivation and uh, and something within me saw a good strategy i don't know here's a suggestion leap option on a midstream
1: oil company good chance 50 percent no. of your money ten x your money
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean whoever you are uh watch your risk
1: yeah well it's a leap he's <laughs> yeah, saying leap yeah, 50, and he's saying 50 chance of a 10x
0: yeah okay well, not, not with a
1: whole it... not with a whole million obviously but it you, all depends
2: on how much, how you're sizing it, sticking right? Stick it into Kelly. Think, yeah, well, well, it says 100% when I did that. It actually says I need to lever up the leap, and <laughs> it says
0: 200%. <laughs> My response to that is I have no sense of how to assign the probability of winning in that particular game. You just get, you see what the market, well, it's saying 50%. 50-50.
2: That's a coin flip, and it's a 10x for a coin flip?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's got I mean, that's expected know, return. Man. The math checks out, and then you go activist. I'm uh, just not sure I'm going after that math. So,
1: question from a younger investor: Do you still, still think it makes sense to have a mixed portfolio—bonds, stocks, and treasuries—or do you still—or do you just think value stocks are the way to go? That's probably a question for a financial planner. But um, I think you should read this. <laughs> Bill's holding up my book, Deep Value, for folks at home.
0: Uh yeah I don't know you gotta read really the acquirer's gotta...
1: multiple it's it's a shorter easier read
0: it's not as good of a book no offense the deep value is the best investment book I think I've ever read so I told you that when I met you I will tell you it again but the acquirer's multiple is a very good version of that for for most people um, the uh I, yeah I don't know I my general feeling is I tend to lean towards equities for my own portfolio maybe it's a function of the years that I've been alive. But yeah, I would talk to a financial advisor. Come up with a plan and stick to it. Yeah, I think that's the answer there.
2: I say normally in most time periods that that is probably sound to have a I think what you said before about what Greenblad does with you know tying yourself to the mast of it's 70 30 and you can if you're really bulled up, you can go 80-20. If you're not so you know, you're really bearish, it's 40 right? But God, the risk reward on bonds right now to me just seems so asymmetric against you. You say, but it's been true for a decade, right? And in that's, March, so I'm not I saying think... I have any the timing is, on this. The but, issue is God.
1: it's been a short for five years, and you've just had your head handed to you if you've done that.
2: Yeah, uh, I would well. short, but I also, I just, I won't feel great about long either. Like, no, I just
1: mean that the the like the, the opportunity is so bad, it looks like a short. Yeah. It's more of a short than it is a long but it's probably that means don't don't play but then you know they do they do serve a function when the market falls over there is that flight to treasuries or there has been who knows if that can conti- maybe maybe they're going to trade like stocks the next time around
2: I, I wouldn't i mean if it was okay so here's my argument against that is that they've now been used for chasing capital appreciation right not protection and now so why wouldn't we think that maybe they correlate with equities as opposed that's, that's, to, when, that's, that's they to when they were supposed to sig when others were zagging?
0: Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Too. You do, but you're higher in the cap structure.
0: So I guess in a real downside, I guess in theory, you should be better off depending on where you are in the structure. Are you talking treasuries or are you talking? No, I'm talking corporate bonds. I would never touch treasuries right now, but I've been wrong on bonds forever. So why would I be right now? so i got two quick questions do so super questions. long duration treasuries outperform everything from here yeah that's what's well, been the case right it's I know. bang why would it stop
1: that's hoisington uh just blanking on his name at the moment but um yeah.
2: lacy hunt lacy hunt
1: thank you yeah uh who's on everybody's rush more of investors can't have any overlap oh that makes it hard buffett good luck <laughs> everybody
0: i'll take munger
2: are <laughs> oh, we doing it in draft order snake oh, dog in the bung <laughs>
1: I don't we know. i We already played this game you. With you can't do, you can't like, do it
2: with Buffett. You got to
1: rule out Buffett. Can't do it with Manga. Got to rule out. I mean, out Munger. look,
0: I know people hate on him. I think Ackman's pretty freaking good at what he does when he stays in his lane. Uh, I think he's gotten over his skis. I disagree with a lot of people on the CNBC article or interview. I'm sure people are lighting me up right now. Uh, but he <laughs> is pretty good. I think is great. I'm going to say it cuz
2: we'll build a uh, statues for them and then they'll just get torn down anyway so it doesn't
1: <laughs> I would say uh I'm going I'm going to go uh Ironhorn I know Ooh. that sounds crazy but I think Ironhorn's got a big decade coming up
2: I think That's a good that's a good don't come bet. I mean he's he's colder than a, I yeah. did a rod husky's I think uh, you get him cheap that sack at this point. You get him Jake, cheap, you going to take
0: you going to take Prem Watson to go uh, deep value on the other side?
2: I mean, that's another value pick. Um, yeah. I have to pick for who's going to do the best over the next 10 years.
1: It Just who's only Matt Rushmore. It's Really, it is for stuff
2: that they've achieved in the past. I'm just
1: making up my own rules as always. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm going to go, I guess, Greenblatt. He's always underrated in my yeah, book. He's a beast, man.
0: And that guy's so good at packaging stuff and like, mm. uh, you know, disseminating the information. He is really, really intelligent. I mean, I know that's like stupid to say, but he is. You got to put the
1: drug up there. I guess Jim Simon. Someone's given him a shout out. Schloss Thorpe. They're all up there in the conversation. Buffett's Buffett's head and shoulders above everybody else, and then it's just we're all trying to figure out, out who supports MJ it. underneath that, right?
0: Dude, Munger's gets the, the smartest Munger, I, I, th- if I could be anyone, I'd be Munger because he just he was smart enough to identify a guy that was a genius with drive and be like, all right, dude, drive this car. Like, I'll, I will help you get smarter, but like, this is you. And if we disagree, this is you. And I'm just gonna chill in California and live a nice life.
2: Yeah, I, think about man. being able to put your ego away that way. Because I mean, he was managing money. Yeah. And he said he realized, like, God, this guy is a machine at this. He's better than I am, probably. Here you go, take it over, buddy. And Genius. also recognizing
0: when you're that smart to have the ability to step back and say, "Boy, the sum of these parts is greater than myself." That's not easy to do as an as a mortal. Forget about being Munger. Munger's only Munger I'm waiting for it's... one of you
2: two to emerge as uh, as that guy, so I can just turn it over to you. Keep, keep you waiting. <laughs> yeah,
0: could be. No, I won't. I certainly won't be that in the next two weeks. I'm hanging with family.
1: I got a good question here. Uh, I can't believe we haven't mentioned it already, but Akatak's got his uh, mega spec out there, the Axe back. Mm-hmm. Uh, any guesses on what he's going to buy? Have you guys had a look at the uh, filing for that? Oh, Very yeah. Buffett-like it in his rides, list of though, things so he's going to buy. It must be good. <laughs> they, they call it Tontine. I, I don't know if that's a tech. I, I know How what a Tontine you know what is? is, but Yeah. I don't know. What's
0: if, a Tontine?
1: That's, it's called the Pershing Square Tontine SPAC. am getting the name not is it's that not exactly really what there. they're calling it yeah i think oh it's pershing God. square tontine something i don't know why what is a tontine? A tontine tontine is where a group of people pull their money and the last person ah. living collects <laughs> so i don't think that's what he means but maybe it is i don't know is there maybe someone else? Yeah. huh so the, the the filing reads like buffett's little letter that he always sticks in everything of the kind of companies that he wants to buy high returns on invested capital moats lots of free cash flow
2: well that's not a crowded space right now.
1: Yeah, but he's got three, three, or they want to raise $3 billion to
0: do it.
2: Chipotle at 100 times earnings.
0: Yeah. Somebody uh, pinged me about that Thorndike Howley SPAC. You know, I don't know. There's there's some interesting ones out there. I just, I, I find the uh, the economics of the SPAC deal so like, it's just hard for me to be like, yeah, I want to participate in that.
2: What this, does it typically look like? What are the, like, I don't what's know, pulling up,
0: man. The, the one that made me disgusted, I was looking at, I think it was Bluebird, the um, the, the, the bus company or something like that. It turned into a bus company. And uh, I mean, I was just reading the documents and I was like, God, the deal for the promoter is just like insane. Yeah. I just I couldn't get down with that. There's just no
1: reason to buy them before they do the deal. And then you probably don't have to buy them after they do the deal either. But you, just beforehand is just crazy, unless it's like in the the little like months that they have before they have to wind it up and hand the capital back that's because it often trades at a discount that's when you want to be in there uh,
0: well it's the old patsy at the table thing right and like if he's got such a good deal why am i not the patsy here i just I, it's a hard question for me to answer so i tend to stay away
1: we forgot to mention icon before so icon probably in my list peter lynch Let's yeah, i peter lynch. don't know about icon i feel like
2: you need to have done what do you it. Mean in you don't know ways. about. I can't. <laughs> I mean, I look. Uh, I her recency to... bias is what I'm hearing. No,
0: it's not that. You got to drill into his recent past, and you take out Netflix. I just don't know. I don't know. And when I say I don't know, just let me leave it at I don't know. Maybe I'll do some research, given how triggered you got by that. I, I think... Some of the stuff he has done in the past is super, super impressive. Okay, I I agree with that. I, I just. Yeah, I think he's passed him by a bit.
1: I think he's a deep value guy who's managed to avoid a lot of the deep value issues. Although if you looked at ICANN Equity Partners, that's pretty bombed out at the moment.
2: Yeah. Kind of interesting, actually.
1: I think it's interesting where it is, yeah. I mean I'm if you're gonna like, do a it.
2: closed end kind of fund, basically, which is sort of how I would look at it. It's not a bad guy running it.
0: Yeah, no. But are you on the same side of the trade as he is in that? Because I wouldn't want to be on the other side of the table as Uncle Carl in IEP. F- yeah, yeah. It's had some
1: monster runs. It's ha- it's had some very good runs. I don't know that you're you're not obviously on exactly the same side because he's getting management fees and he pay, but he takes his management fees in units in the trust. Yeah, or so units in the- you got an alignment. That's that's how his holding has built up, but then I don't know how how interested he is in making it work maybe he just can't help it and he is going to make it work but it's it's had like when, when value works the the run on it is just ridiculous yeah but when it you doesn't you got so mad no I'm way.
0: sorry I didn't mean to trigger you
1: I just it's just I, <laughs> I think it's it's Buffett and, and Icon are up there as, you know Buffett wins because Buffett's yeah. got a better structure but Icon's up there
0: huh. I mean I give him respect if I ever said you know uh, who am I I'm certainly not him <laughs> But I just I, I need to research it. You're a the bit bloke more. with the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Hey, Carl, how you doing, man? I got a podcast. <laughs> You're like, get out of here, loser. Richard
1: Rainwater. There's some good names coming through here. Marathon. Mm. Yeah, we're missing a lot.
2: Yeah. So it's I got a
1: question. Uh, a Bit personal to me, but uh, if I had to write deep value today, would I add or remove anything from the book based on what I'm seeing in the current market conditions? I don't think so. I think it's. I think the. Th- I think that the thesis remains sound. I just think that it's. the f- It's a feature of the market that every strategy underperforms for. Has its has its day underperforming, and it has its day outperforming, and I think uh, we've had a particularly long period where value has underperformed to the point where people wonder if it can ever rise again. I don't know. I think it can, but. Uh, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest in recent times that that's the case i think you got to look back over the full data set
2: so that's an interesting question then like so if you imagine that if one of the prerequisites of outperforming was that you kind of had to have all the the bandwagoners off and you have to you have to have all the people who don't have the high conviction to leave is there something inherent to value because it is often so fundamentally based that it's harder to scrub the, the bandwagon. And so, therefore, you should expect long, hard periods just inherent to the strategy.
1: Yeah. Well, I th- just because value guys just tend to be disciplined and, and bloody-minded, pretty tough, and just don't let go easily. The, really, the only way they get taken out is they retire. They set up a family office. They close down the fund. That's happened again. It happened yesterday. These, this German group shut down their deep value fund just because it was causing them too much mental anguish or something like that i just laughed yeah. when i saw it i was like yeah, no, no, yeah. No, no, i know what that feels
2: amen. like amen <laughs> yeah so what if that was like that's inherent to the value strategy that you have to expect to suffer more than the average strategy because people are so wedded to it when they are wedded to it
1: the thing that really stood out to me when I pulled up the French data and I ran it back for price to earnings and free cash flow and book value, all the way back to the start of the, um, the start of the dates, fifty one for the two flow ones and, and twenty six I think it is for for book value, and then run the cheap decile against the expensive decile, massive massive outperformance over the full data set for the cheap decile over the expensive decile. But here's the really weird thing. The Cheap decile underperforms 70 to 80 percent of the time. It's kind of like
0: that's that's what it was crazy when you said that. The when when did you drop that like almost a month ago now or something? But but like when it rips, it rips and now
2: it's up to 90 percent of the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's only one month out of like okay, probably uh, I guess it's it's thousands of months, right? But that was shocking when you had said that. I'm pretty sure I was in Florida, so I think it was a month ago or so.
1: I I, I I still kind of I have to go back and check that every now and again because I kind of can't quite believe how much it underperforms. Like if you just can't take that pain of the market beating you you know seven days out of ten, seven years out of ten,. Just I mean, mercilessly. I, I've heard a different co- like there's a different there's a different version of it where Greenblatt says it you, outperforms like three years out of four or something like that. that's probably true because you catch up, you have lots of little catch- ups through it. That's not true recently, but that has been the case in the past that you have when it catches up, it catches up very violently, and then it tends to be behind. So if, you, if you're watching it frequently, then then it's a painful strategy to follow. But if you're watching it infrequently, it's probably a pretty pleasurable one to follow, absent the recent past.
2: Mm. It's kind of the argument for just like a little value tilt and then like rumple still skin it and don't don't check.
1: That, that this you know that apocryphal story about the farmer who comes down from his farm when everything's bombed out and buys once every seven years or so that's probably the way to do it and then just don't worry about it for the next seven years wait until you get that bust
2: i mean that's kind of what munger's done right i mean he he waited till there was a yeah. crack up and then bought a couple Pulled things. his car over to the side of the road Made a made a couple of de- a decade and a half worth of returns on two decisions and then moved on with his life.
1: But isn't that crazy? Like he's he's so patient, and then he gets his price and he's literally driving along the four hundred five or something out here and pulls over the side of the road to make the trade. Like that's that's FOMO. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I guess, I guess, but I guess the important thing about that story is if you're going to copy that strategy, I think you have to be really honest about yourself. If you're that patient and that disciplined and then willing to swing that big when you see it, I personally know I'm not, uh, I admire what those guys have done. I admire what they built and I've tried to adopt a lot of what they said, but I know if I try to be them, I'm
2: not going to be them. Well, you couldn't bring clients along on that kind of ride either, I don't think. It'd be right. tough. You need permanent it would be capital. Tough. Yeah. It yeah. only works
1: with permanent capital. With permanent yeah. capital, you can justify the fact that you haven't done anything for a long time because the stuff that you hold is doing stuff. Yeah. You're just you're just kind of commentating at that stage on what's happening to the portfolio. Mm. Amigos, that's time.
0: All right, people.
2: Take Thanks. care. Love Thanks, your folks. family. That was really fun. Yeah.
0: Shake it up! Stop when the clock hits thirteen. Sing one, One, two, three, four. Cause, cause, cause no.